Hello, my name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Loathing, unadulterated loathing, for your face, your voice, your clothing, let's just say, I love it all. Alexander Hamilton, my name is Alexander Hamilton, and there's a million things I haven't done, but just you. Next Best Theater. I'm your host, Michael Schwartz, and I am joined by my co-host, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everybody. Casey Lee Clark. Hello. And Cody Derrick. Hello. Dan Bayer couldn't join us for this episode, but he will join us in spirit later on in the show. As you may have guessed from this title, this is our second episode of the season to revolve around the upcoming 73rd Annual Tony Awards. When we last spoke, we made our predictions regarding nominations. In this episode, the NBP... I'm sorry, NBT team will give final predictions as to who will walk away a Tony winner come June 9th. Before we dive into it, does anyone have thoughts or a hot take regarding the Tony nominations from a few weeks ago? Nothing I didn't say last time. I was kind of surprised at how little love uh, Kiss Me Kate got in the acting categories. That's like my big hot take is that Corbin Blue totally deserved a nomination. I know that if Dan were here, he would second that. Yeah, I feel like everything I've heard about that, like, it seems like he's the standout from what I've heard of the performances. He's he's so good that it's honestly perplexing to me that he missed. Yeah, that, I just saw Kiss Me K a couple weeks ago. And the fact that Corbin Blue did not make it in for a nomination is shocking, considering that he would have been the perfect winner for this category. So the fact that he didn't even make it in the uh, top five is really shocking, given what he does in that show. Any other hot takes, Cody? Uh, no, I said all I need to say last time, and I'm excited to talk about who's going to win. All right. Well, you know, should we just dive right into it? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Well, we are going to predict in all 26 categories here for the Tony Awards, and we're just going to go around the table. Uh, we're all going to take turns reading the nominations and then go to our predicted winners. We have a lot of categories to get through, and hopefully we'll do it in record time. So, Nicole, how about you kick things off for us with uh, supporting actor, I'm sorry, featured actor in a Please, play. Please, featured actor. <laughs> Before I say anything else on this podcast, I would like to issue a blanket apology for any names that I mispronounce because I'm sure that will be happening. But let's get straight into featured actor in a play. The nominees are Bertie Carvel in Inc., Robin DeJesus in Boys, sorry, The Boys in the Band, Gideon Glick in To Kill a Mockingbird, Brandon Uranowitz in Burn This, and Benjamin Walker in Arthur Miller's All My Sons. I am predicting uh, Bertie Carvel for Inc. And let's see, I have Dan's predictions here with me, which he sent, although he sadly can't be here uh, because of travel issues. And he is predicting Brandon Uranowitz for Burn This. Ooh. I'm also going with Bertie Carvel. As am I. He's going to win that Tony show one from Matilda. Well, I'm going to drop a bombshell here and predict Benjamin Walker for all my sons. So we are a house divided here at Next Best Theater. He's interesting because he's somebody who was predicted to have at least two other nominations before this year. So you'd think maybe seeing him in this category for this is his first nomination, right? It right. would mean he's maybe overdue to some capacity, but I, I, I'm still leaning towards Bernie Carvel. 
Yeah, Bertie Carville has been around for years, obviously, and his show Inc. is nominated for Best Play and a number of other uh, categories. So it's not out of the question that he wins here. I think he has a very good shot. Then uh, Dan, who is Brendan Uranowitz, he's a guy who's been nominated, what, twice? This is his third nomination this now. This is his third, Falsettos. yeah. Falsettos in like in four years. Paris. Yeah. And I will say so many people that I know who've seen the show and so many of the reviews did specifically talk about Brandon Uranowitz in Burn This. Um, and I feel like he's someone who just has a lot of goodwill within the industry. He's my second place. I think it's definitely possible. So I guess you have to go with the, those three, Gideon Glick and Robin De Jesus. They're probably just happy to be there. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad we're starting with one of the more unpredictable categories because there are convincing arguments to be made across all three. And my reason for going with Benjamin Walker is that All My Sons, I think, has been so praised for the acting and needs to walk home with at least one acting award. And Benjamin Walker, when you read all the reviews, some who... Uh, loved Annette Benning, some who thought she was just fine, others who were saying, oh, Tracy Letts is as good as he's been, others were like, oh, he's fine. But every every single review praised Benjamin Walker, saying he was the standout here. So, you know, maybe they just go for him for a revival. And then, you know, Burn, it, Burn This is a different type of revival. It's not as well-known as All My Sons. So we'll see. I really think there's a convincing argument made across the board. Yeah, that's totally fair. All right, anything else here, or should we move on? Let's move on. I like this. (laughs) All right, Casey, how about you tell us the nominees for Featured Actor in a Musical? Give me one second to have them in a lovely alphabetical order. (laughs) So, again, as Nicole said, apologies if I mispronounce any names. Um, So the nominees are Andre DeShields for Hadestown, Andy Grotolution for That's what I was going to say, yeah. Um, Patrick Page for Hades Town, Jeremy Pope for Ain't Too Proud, and Ephraim Sykes for Ain't Too Proud. And I'm going with Andre DeShields, but I think it could also go to Patrick Page as well. I think it's either of the Hades Town men personally. Yeah, I also have Andre DeShields with Patrick Page as kind of my alternate. And I will say that Dan also has Patrick Page with Andre DeShields as his alternate. I have Andre DeShields first place, Patrick Page second place, and Ephraim Sykes. Um, putting up a fight in third place. I think there's a possibility for some Angie Proud love, but I really think the Hades Town machine is just so strong. I have Patrick Page in first place and Andre Shields in second place. I have to say, having seen Hades Town, both of these men are absolutely 100% deserving of this award. They both are incredible actors, dancers, singers. Andre DeShields, though, he's really something special. And I looked him up. I had no idea. He is in his 70s. He was the original Wiz in The Wiz. Yeah. I, like, seeing him on stage, seeing him dance in particular, I would have guessed he was maybe in his late 50s, early 60s. Like, he's phenomenal. Yeah, and they're both uh, veterans. So there's definitely an overdue factor. that Everybody knows them around town, definitely. They've been working for the better part of you know, probably three decades at least. So I think it really is kind of a coin toss, but I am leaning more towards Andre DeShields. And they both have also been working the circuit, honestly. Like, they've been out there at all the events this year. Yeah, Nicole, didn't you share a story with us in our uh, little Next Best Theater chat (laughs) about meeting uh, Patrick Page after Hadestown? I met Patrick Page at the stage show of Town. I went to the stage show because I wanted to see if his voice is possibly that low in real life, and it is. And he was the nicest man. He went down asking every single person, 
how are you? And that, like, impossibly low voice. And then he was just telling us stories. He had his dog with him, and he showed her to us. Like, he was just the loveliest man. I would be so happy, honestly, for this award to go to either one of them. All right, so there you have it, the Battle of the Hades Sound Men. So I guess this <laughs> means that uh, Christopher Sieber is going to win for the prom. <laughs> All right, well, on with it we go. Next category. Yes, we is have, it my uh, turn? Yes, Cody's turn. He will tell us the nominees for lighting design in a play. Oh, my favorite category every year, of course. <laughs> All right, hang on. So the nominees are, uh, I am, I'm so sorry. There's so many names. I'm just going to say the names of the productions. All respect to people involved in the text, though. The nominees for best lighting design of a play are Ink, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, The Ferryman, To Kill a Mockingbird, and Network. And I am going with Network. This is one of those categories that the text categories of the plays every year. I'm I kind of just throw my hands up unless there's a clear one of my favorite like last year with Cursed Child. Network looks like it has the most lights on stage. I imagine <laughs> I have not seen it. It just feels like a lighting design winner in that it probably, I imagine, has the most lighting design. Um, but I did watch some video previews of Ink, and that also looks like it's a heavy tech show. So I have that. But the Ferryman could also maybe do a little sweep all night. So any of those three possible, but I think it's going to be Network. What he the said. exact same, Cody. Thank you. Dan and I also both have Network, and I will say one thing that I think pushes Network ahead. I haven't seen it, but I watched a thing about it, and they film a scene outside the theater every night that is broadcast onto a screen on stage, and they literally have a lighting crew outside, like, around the alleyway of the theater. Um, and I feel like having to light something like that and the amount of, also just the amount of video that they have to have proper lighting for on stage. That's true. Is yeah. probably going to win them this award. Is that for Anchor Network? Sorry, for Network. Okay. Oh, that sounds like something that Ivo Van Hove would do. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going with Network, but I mean, I was looking at the odds today, and they're both about the same. So can't really go wrong with either of them. I'm sticking with Network, and there you have it. There we are. We're all agreed. <laughs> all right. Very good. On to the next lighting design category, uh, lighting design in a musical. The nominees there are Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, The Share Show, Hades Town, and King Kong. So I am predicting Hades Town as part of the big Hades Town tech sweep. Do we all agree there? Yep. No contest. This is one of the easier categories to call for the night. I will say, first of all, Dan and I agree. Um, secondly, having seen Hades Town, there's a part where I literally, my jaw dropped entirely because of the lighting. It is one of the best lighting productions, you know, best lighting in the production that I have seen maybe in my entire life. Um, and it's quite innovative and it uses lights in a way that I never would have expected to see on a stage. Um, there's, I think it is winning this award based on one scene alone. It's even used, they even use actual lighting as part of choreography. I mean, like, it looks so inherent to the production and the storytelling and how they do it as a whole. And I mean, Rachel Chapkin's last show, Great Comet, also won this category. It just feels pretty locked in. Beetlejuice is a maybe contender for second place, but I really think it's Hades on the loose. I think Beetlejuice would be the second place. Uh, if we've got to find that out, but I do think it's it's Haiti Towns Hades Towns Award. Okay, there you go, Nicole. Can you tell us best orchestrations, please? Yes, the nominees for best orchestrations are Hades Town, Tootsie, 
Kiss Me Kate, Rogers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, and Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations. I am, surprise, surprise, predicting Town. I'm checking right now, and Dan is also predicting Town. And I'm going to join the both of you. Me too. As am I. Uh, it just, again, it feels like it's so tied in with the show's fabric um, in a similar way to like Hamilton was or something like that. Uh, I have Oklahoma in second place because they occasionally do like when revivals have a seriously overhauled sound to them. I think of like the Sweeney Todd revival from 2006, stuff like that. But I think this is Hadestown. I agree. And I also think it's such a unique score that the orchestrations are thus equally unique um, making it stand out in the category. All right. Nicole, you're going to be our Hadestown expert as if you aren't already, <laughs> but since you're the only one who's seen it here, you know, we're just going to rely on you to say, this is why it deserves to win this tech category, even though it's going to sweep this why it deserves it. Yeah. It, it truly feels kind of like when, when, you know, when everyone was predicting Hamilton to sweep and as much as sometimes I hate to see, you know, so many shows get pushed to the side, Sometimes one show truly is so innovative and new and exciting that it deserves every award that it gets. Yeah, I generally right, like sure. that about the Tonys that, I mean, when there is a sweep, it's either because it's a generally weak year, kind of like last year, arguably, or because the show is just so monumentally deserving in every single category like Hamilton was. Mm -hmm. It's like a legitimacy to it. All right, moving on. Sound design in a play. Casey, can you walk us through there? Yeah, the nominees are... Inc., To Kill a Mockingbird, Choir Boy, The Ferryman, and Network. And I am going with The Ferryman, with Network in second place. Yeah. I'm doing the opposite. I'm going with Network, Ferryman, second place. Kind of the same reasons I went with Network for lighting design. It just feels like, I mean, you can, I think, literally see the microphones on stage because it's a TV set. So that just feels right to me. And I am going with uh, The Ferryman with Network in second place. And I am echoing Cody with Network and The Ferryman in second place. I do think that if The Ferryman ends up sweeping, it could easily sweep this up along with it. Uh, but I do think all that video integration and stuff like that in Network could put it ahead. Nicole, you're our resident Ferryman fan. Can you do a little quick just run over of how the sound is used in the show? Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's been It's been a while now since I've seen it. There are some sound effecty things, uh, and I'm trying to think if there's music within it. There's definitely, yeah, there there is music used within it. There's like a you know a, a radio that they turn off and on and different stuff. So there are scenes that incorporate some of that. I don't think it's like an undeserving win if it wins, uh, and I do think that it probably stands out amongst the categories. Although I am sad that like I don't think Choir Boy is going to win this, but Choir Boy really has a lot of uh, singing in it, and it would have been really nice to see it, but I just don't think it has the the push that Network or the Ferrymen do to, to take this award. Okay. Moving on to sound design in a musical. Cody, your turn. Yes. All right. The nominees for best sound design of a musical are King Kong, Beetlejuice, Ain't Too Proud, Oklahoma, and Hadestown. And once again, I'm going with Hadestown with Oklahoma in second place. Although I, again, think this is one that Hadestown can basically count on walking into the ceremony. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Agreed. We don't need to become <laughs> the boring Hadestown podcast. So, you know, 
anything else going on here that we need to dive into? Well, Oklahoma, I know, um, has several portions that are either unmiked or lightly miked. So the sound is maybe a little bit obviously used, which is, uh, you know, always helpful when you can. They like to vote for most sound a lot of the time. Um, and Ain't Too Proud also is kind of a similar vein, I believe. But I think this is just Haiti sounds lose between the instruments on stage and then being used in the choreography and, and just the uh, train sounds. Yep, There's a lot, exactly. of, a lot of train sounds being made in different ways. And it, it does have a very cool sound to it. Uh, so I, I don't think this is just a like, oh, it wins because Hadestown is winning everything else award. I think it's it does have like genuinely interesting sound design. Exactly. All right. Sounds good. Hadestown continues. Sounds good. Sure. <laughs> On to scenic design of a play. The nominees are To Kill a Mockingbird, Ink, The Ferryman, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, and Network. I am predicting the ferryman because, of course, it's going to be one of the big play sweepers this year. But also because when I've seen pictures of the show, the set looks incredible. It builds this looks like a house in rural Ireland back in the 1980s. And just it looks so lived in and how they create the staging. I'm just so eager to go see it in a couple of weeks and see this for myself. And I think for that reason, it's going to win here. When I first saw the ferryman eons ago, um, back when I lived in <laughs> London, <laughs> I remember I came out of it and I texted a friend of mine, I wish I could move into the set of The Ferryman, because it looks like I genuinely could. Like, it is one of those sets that looks so lived in and so genuinely complex in the way that a true home is. That's It's what I'm predicting. Dan is predicting Network, which is my second, with maybe Gary as a surprise. But I, I do think that the Ferryman set is a part of the, you know, kind of spectacle of the whole show. Yeah, I'm going with the Ferryman as well. Everything Nicole said, I completely agree with. I have Ferryman out in front in first place, Network right at second place, Gary definitely a third possibility. All right. On to, we have scenic design of a musical, Nicole. Can you tell us yours and Dan's predictions? Yes. This is actually was one of my hardest things to predict. So the nominees for scenic design of a musical are um, Ain't Too Proud, King Kong, Town, Rogers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma, and Beetlejuice. And let's see, Dan and I are both predicting Beetlejuice. Breaking that Town run partially because it is a David Corrin set, and that definitely means something at the Tonys. Um, but also Beetlejuice has a number of very elaborate sets. One set whenever I saw it, I genuinely at times was sat there trying to figure out how the set worked. Like there are some that almost seem like an optical illusion. And I, I think out of these, it's one of the ones that has like the most set going on. This reminds me of the year Hamilton was sweeping and it took costume design and lighting design and just everything there was and then they get scenic design and it goes to she loves me a good year like they take a break at one point and of course she loves me deserved it it was this amazing amazing set where they opened the perfumery and i think that's the case here where of course hamilton was deserving but there was something that was a little more innovative and of course hades town is deserving and amazing but from what i understand beetlejuice is just like revolutionary what they're doing there 
Yeah, I just want to say I would have personally voted for Hamilton for set design, but that's a different year. It doesn't matter. David Corrins, right? <laughs> I believe so. Yes, yeah. yes, for Hamilton. Yes. David Rockwell did She Loves Me. Yep. Yes. I initially had Hadestown just to go with the sweep with Beetlejuice in second, but the more you're talking, the more I'm like, mm, it, it's more close than just first second, I think. I think it could honestly go to either of them, but mm, yeah. I agree. I have Beetlejuice. Uh, oh, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Beetlejuice out front. Um, but if there is a kind of once or Book of Mormon style sweep for Hadestown, I could see this getting swept up. I think it's more. It's it's not like the band's visit last year, where that was the only award it lost, and that was kind of seen as expected. I think this is a possibility for it to get swept up in it. All right, there we go. Some competition finally. On to costume design in a play. Casey, can you please tell us the nominees? Yes. The nominees are The Ferryman, Bernhardt Hamlet, Torch Song, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, and To Kill Mockingbird. And I'm going with one of the Ann Roths, and that's Gary. I'm going with the other Ann Roth for To Kill Mockingbird. Uh, Dan and I both have committed to an Ann Roth, Gary. Although I will say, we both actually have written down as an alternate Bernhardt Hamlet. And remember when I was predicting Bernhardt Hamlet here? And I was like, please let it get in. And then it did. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Bernhardt Hamlet actually took it. Um, particularly if they don't like Gary. But I did finally go with Gary, as has Dan. I also am going between the bolt, the two Ann Roth shows, Mockingbird and Gary. And I thought the same thing about Gary not being liked, but then it scored all these surprise nominations, including in big categories. So maybe there is some love out there for it. I'm currently going with To Kill a Mockingbird with Gary very close second. I mean, talk about two shows that are both kind of controversial at the moment. I really don't know what to land on. I'm going to go with Mockingbird, but I'm not sure about it. I don't feel good about it. When in doubt, go with the Anne Roth creation that doesn't have genitalia in the front <laughs> the costume. So you're going with Gary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Bartha Sharer does take some interesting uh, freedom <laughs> liberties with Kill Mockingbird. Yeah, but uh, you know, it, it could be either one. I think Gary, it was surprised that it got the nominations. And yes, it might be able to coast on them because apparently it's very innovative. But there are people who are just. So turned off by Gary. I hear there are people who walk out of the theater who say that was the most creative show I've seen in years and others who go, that was the worst thing I've ever seen on Broadway. I do think, though, it stands out amongst these nominees as the most unique costumes, maybe the exactly. most showy costumes, even like in terms of, I mean, other, I guess, than Bernhardt Hamlet, because that also had some pretty out there stuff in it. Yeah, and I'm about to say the same thing in the musical category, but costume is one of the few categories that the Tonys really don't care about general reception for your show. A lot of shows get just costume Tonys. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was Gary. I might actually switch to that now that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Costume design in a musical. Cody, can you start us off? Yes, I can. The nominees for costume design of a musical are Town, Tootsie, Beetlejuice, The Share Show, and Ain't Too Proud. And I am predicting in, I think, the lockiest lock of the night, The Share Show, with costumes by Bob Mackie. One does not simply not give Bob Mackie a Tony Award. Exactly. Yeah. Bob Mackie, who did work on the Carol Burnett show for years and years, I think designing tens and thousands of costumes over the almost decade-long run. 
And he's done so, Broadway before. This isn't his first credit. I know he did the sequel to Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, which is, you know, infamous. Uh, Best Little Whorehouse goes public. Of course. So uh, this will be his first win, though. So I think it's going to happen. Who doesn't love Bob Mackie? There is, there are like entire numbers in it that are essentially, there's a whole number that's a fashion show. Exactly. Like, they literally just throughout the show keep being like, how little can we get Stephanie J. Block in? <laughs> and I do think that in another year, like Beetlejuice would stand a really good chance, as would Tootsie. Hades Town, like, I wish that I could go give Michael Cross an award for the dresses that he puts on Amber Gray. But I do think this is the share show's award. And whether it gets this or this in another one, like this feels pretty safe. Yeah. yeah if, if there is an earthquake or something and Hades town wins, I wouldn't be the most surprised. That is my second place, but I think this really is Mackie's already. All right. So let's take another break. Instead of uh, giving Hades town there, they're going to spread the wealth a tiny little bit in the text, but let's see if they do it again in our next category, best choreography where the nominees are choir boy, kiss me, Kate Tootsie, Hades Town and Ain't Too Proud. So here is a category where I have Hades Town in second place, mm-hmm. runner up to Kiss Me Kate, which again I saw a couple weeks ago. And the choreography in that show, Nicole, you can back me up here, is literally off the wall. Like there's a scene Truly. where Corbin Blue is dancing on a ceiling. Um, I will I will just say that I second what Dan says, and Dan sends uh, in all caps, Kiss Me Kate, and then in parentheses, and if it's not, I riot. Uh, And I will be joining that barricade uh, because the choreography by Warren Carlyle and Kiss Me Kate is truly splendid. It's the kind of tap that we don't really get to see anymore on Broadway. And every, like, all of Corbin Blue's numbers, all of Stephanie Stiles' bits, uh, that, God, there's so much good in it. And it's such a dance show that I'd be shocked if they don't reward it. I had a giant smile on my face the entire time during Tom, Dick, or Harry. Oh, my God. So good. It's just incredible what they do. I am not someone who understands the complexities and (laughs) particular movements of dance. I just go and they look like they're moving the right way. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. But here's a show where I'm watching it. I'm going like, wow, this is just this is on a different level than anything I've seen. And if I'm saying that, then it must be truly special. It's like coming a year after Carousel and what we saw Justin Peck do last year. I, we've been so spoiled on Broadway with this amazing top-notch choreography. And if they don't reward it here, then they're not paying attention to what's really great. I will say that I would not be, you know, I would be sad, but I wouldn't be upset if Town got this because Town does do a really interesting blend of quite contemporary, almost lyrical style and then more of a traditional jazzy dance, particularly a split between characters, which like another year, if Kiss Me Kate were not here, I would think would be winning. Um, so I definitely do see Hades Town as the runner up, but I, I do feel like this is Kiss Me Kate's award. I'm, yeah. Uh, sorry, go to Casey. No, that was it. That was just, yeah. I feel like that's the most, that's the most dance. And I feel like that, that just looking at all these, that just feels like the clear winner. So that's what I'm going with. Right. The category usually kind of, not to be reductive, um, but it does usually boil down to most dance. I think of like Carousel last year or Newsies when it was more about the actual like showiness of it than maybe the storytelling. And I haven't seen Kiss Me Kate, so I'm not trying to be shady, but um. Uh, I do think this is Kiss Me Kate's to lose, but if it went to Hades Town, which I think I've said this exact phrase like five times, I wouldn't be surprised if it just got swept up in it. It 
I think of years like uh, uh, when Kinky Boots won or Spring Awakening, when they kind of just give it to the front, best musical frontrunner when they don't really feel like getting into anything else, um, even when there's good competition. But I do think this is Kiss Me Kate's. I also will say, though, the thing that worries me about the idea of Kiss Me Kate winning it is that neither Corbin Blue nor Stephanie Styles, who are the two main dancers really in the show out of the cast, got nominations. That's a really good point. And if they weren't willing to reward Corbin Blue for his performance, I do wonder, are they willing to reward dance at all? Right, because their what was so good about their performances, I assume, was not entirely, but a lot of it was their dance abilities, right? Yeah, especially for Corbin Blue. So if they look at that and go, eh, not really interested, but they really want to give choreography to the show. I still think it's going to happen. I'm just hypothesizing. Yeah, I, I just, I could see a world in which they are so enthralled with Amber Gray and Andre DeShields and Eva Noblezada that they reward the very good, very incredible dance that they're doing in Town instead. All right. So if you want to tack one more on to the recent trend of winners and newsies and Carousel. I would also throw in like Bandstand with all that. Mm-hmm. Bandstand so. also felt like Afterglow from Hamilton because they were like, oh, I don't know, this is a weird category this year. Let's just give it to Blank Bueller again. Also, but, it's a I lot mean, of dance. Bandstand also though is a really cool. I feel like the thing about Bandstand is it could either support Kiss Me Kate or it could support Hades Town. Exactly. <laughs> it a was a show that didn't really get anything else, like Kiss Me Kate probably is going to be, um, but also like Bandstand, it was a or sorry like. Hadestown is a very interesting blend of more modern dance and very traditional dance um, with the swing. And then they had a lot of more contemporary in flashbacks to the war. Yeah, I this category feels like it should be Kiss Me Kate's, but I wouldn't like bet a hundred dollars on it. No, yeah. it's not the okay. most locked category. Maybe 50. Moving on, Nicole, can you tell us the nominees for Featured Actress in a Play? Yes, Featured Actress in a Play. I'm about to butcher some names. Celia Keenan-Bolger in To Kill a Mockingbird. Christine Nielsen in Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. Julie White in Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. Ruth Wilson in King Lear. And, oh God. Fanola Flanagan. Fanola Flanagan? Fianola Flanagan in The Ferryman. And I, this is one that I struggled with a bit, but I eventually did go with Celia Keenan-Bolger. The Keenan-Bolgers have a lot of love in the industry. Speaking of newsies earlier. um, (laughs) And from everything I hear, which Michael, you can tell us, but I hear that she is really great in it. Yeah, she's winning this in a walk. It's just incredible how she transforms into this young girl. I think she's eight years old. Scout. She's Celia Kim Bolger is in her forties, but she's playing an eight-year-old on stage. But she also goes back and forth, where you see young Scout, then you also see an older version of Scout. We don't know if she's exactly in her forties; she might be in her early twenties. But it's just like an older version looking back on their life and reassessing what happened during the summer when there was a trial and her relationship with her father and how this happened and why this happened. And she gives these powerful monologues especially toward the end that pretty much sum up why this show needs to exist and she's just the heart and soul outside of Atticus Finch Uh, I cannot see anyone else winning here she'll walk away with it plus she's a former nominee this is her fourth nomination she hasn't won yet this is the perfect time to reward her I'm 100% going with her I'm I'm a big fan of hers in general that could be because I played 
Olive and Spelling Bee in high school. But <laughs> I'm yeah. Any chance I get to see her succeed, I'm like, yes. Plus, I feel like she's been like every like I see her in like all these different articles all the time now. Like she's definitely working the circuit and like I feel like I've been reading a lot of like interviews and things with her. So, yeah, I think it's her time. Yeah, I uh, all the uh, controversies earned or not that Mockingbird has kind of accrued during its run. Um, I think this is the one place that even people who don't like the show for any other part of it can have no trouble voting for it. Uh, she's such a beloved person in the industry. Again, this is her fourth nomination. She seems like, from what I've heard, from what you just said, Michael, she's kind of the beating heart of the show. So I think people would have no problem kind of throwing their vote behind her. I do have um, Ms. Flanagan from The Ferryman in second place, but I think it's Celius. I have exactly the same. I went to go see To Kill a Mockingbird with my coworkers. We went up on a little field trip to New York to go see this show. And on the bus ride back to Philadelphia, we just could not stop talking about her and how she had this total transformation. And about 10 minutes into the show, you forget that it's a 40-year-old woman. She just really transforms with this child. And they're not like prosthetics or anything like that. It's not like she does Brad Pitt, Benjamin Button de-aging on stage. She just acts the part, and it works so incredibly well. I've never seen anything like it, and she just makes it soar. So I would be stunned if they were anybody else. She deserves it as well. So, featured actress in a play. Anything else before we move on? I will say that Dan agrees with the Celia Keenan-Bolger prediction. All right. Very good. Casey, can you please walk us through featured actress in a musical? Yes. The nominees are Lily Cooper for Tootsie, Amber Gray for Town, Sarah Stiles for Tootsie, Allie Stroker for Oklahoma, and Mary Tessa for Oklahoma. And I feel like it's easily between... Amber Gray and Ali Stroker. And for a while I had Ali Stroker, but I feel like Amber Gray, since the nominations come out and since Hades Town is fully premiered on Broadway, like I feel like she's just like the the face of that and just like and maybe because we're I feel like the Amber Gray fan club here, but I feel <laughs> like I just I have to go with her. But I I think Ali Stroker is a very close second and it wouldn't surprise me at all if she won either. Uh Dan is predicting Ali Stroker but hoping for Amber Gray. I'm predicting Amber Gray. I do think it's between her and Ali Stroker. I do think that there being two women from Oklahoma nominated may work against them. But I, I really think this is this is going to go to Amber. She is otherworldly. And yes, I know that's a pun. In Town. she has a performance. It's honest to God hard to take your eyes off of her. And like that's coming from me. Eva Noblezada is one of my favorite actresses of all time. And I kept being like, wait, wait, you should be looking at Eva. Sorry, I can't. Amber Gray is, her dancing, her singing, the way that she embodies this character, like, it's really something special. And I also would just so love to see her get this award. I don't know if anyone else saw that picture of her getting ready in her dressing room while pumping breast milk for her infant. But I was like, this is, this is a superwoman. And I would really, like, either one of these women I think is equally deserving, but I really hope it goes to Amber. Yeah. I, uh, it's like everybody else said, I think it's very clearly between Miss Gray and Miss Stroker. I'm leaning towards Amber Gray of the four nominees for acting that Hades Town got. I think she is the most likely of all four of them to come out with a trophy. I also think it's a pretty easy place for people who don't even like Hades Town, maybe to kind of unequivocally appreciate her. And also Oklahoma has hit some weird road bumps in the precursors. And with the Tonys, I don't always look to the precursors because I think 
they're such their own body. You kind of have to look at the history of the awards themselves and what they nominated in each specific year for trends and stuff like that. But uh, I think the, sorry, I think the love for Amber Gray and Hadestown has kind of been unmatched all season and um, it would be very deserved. I'm also going with Amber Gray. And I was, again, looking between her and Ally Stroker. For a while, I had Ally Stroker. I was going to say, I'm so surprised. I thought you were going to say Ally Stroker. <laughs> yeah, she has a great narrative behind her. And she has a really showy character, Ado Annie, who anyone who's seen Oklahoma over the past 70-some years knows that character and how it's a great part. But this doesn't make sense as I'm picking a guy from Hadestown over a featured actor in a musical. But I think the fact that there are two nominees from Tootsie and two nominees from Oklahoma splits it all around and just gives Amber Gray this opening here. And the fact that she is as well-received as she is, and it's just, I think it's close enough competition that she could get the edge with the two Oklahoma ladies. It's The Tonys are weird because sometimes the if there's more nominees than one from each show in a category, it hurts them and splits the vote. Sometimes it doesn't. So I don't usually kind of worry about whether it's splitting the vote or or not because there's as many examples for each in the history of the Tonys, you know what I mean? Um, but I, this is like a, a double split possibility, you know, with two pairs of women from each show and then Amber Gray being the only one from Hadestown. So I think it's one of the few times that argument does have merit. So we will see another tight race, but a, a deserving winner nonetheless if it's between those two ladies. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. Moving on to Best Book of a Musical. Cody, why don't you start us off? Yes, I can do that. The nominees for Best Book of a Musical are Ain't Too Proud, Beetlejuice, Hadestown, The Prom, and Tootsie. And I am going with Tootsie. Um, I think this is this and one other category are the only places that Tootsie's going to actually take home some awards. Um, they seem to love it from the nominations. Uh the industry love has been a little bit mixed, it seems like, besides except for the reviewers. But again, once again, Hadestown is right there and it could totally pull a Spring Awakening or Bands Visit and come in and overtake the more comical front runner, per se, for best book and just kind of throw that in its bag when it leaves the theater. Uh, so Tootsie first place, Hadestown close second. The movie Tootsie, in my humble opinion, is one of the 10 greatest films of all time. It's just absolute masterclass in writing, acting, directing, mainstream comedy. I love, love, love everything about that movie. And when you look at the screenplay, it's like a who's who of comedy giants. The film Tootsie was written by Larry Gelbart, Murray Schiskel, Barry Levinson, and Elaine May. It was absolutely insane there. So when you have this screenplay, which I would call one of the greats of all time, being adapted to stage you run the risk of having it not be bad necessarily, but not living up to the quality of the original product. And when you have something like the producers, Mel Brooks adapted that with Thomas Meehan to the stage. So you obviously have his DNA in it. With Tootsie, I was a little bit hesitant about how it would be on stage. I haven't seen the show yet, but reading the reviews, especially from the New York Times, who really loved it, it gives me hope that this is an actually funny and quality show. So given that and given the competition here, I think it does walk away with the award. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. It, from what I've heard, the 
Book of Tootsie is fairly different from the screenplay. I know they updated it to Modern Times and they changed yeah. the setting of it. So as opposed to something like The Producers, which is pretty much, you know, cut and paste from the movie. So I don't know if necessarily people who voters, at least who love the movie, would inherently love the show, if that makes sense. But I mean, it's definitely possible. I think the DNA is still there. Like, sure, sure. You know, they move it up a little bit and change the setting. It's still essentially about a you know struggling actor who turns himself into an actress for a little bit to get this part. And you know you can have that in any setting. I think that the DNA of Tootsie being there is still what makes it this show that people recognize. Uh, Dan and I are both predicting Hades Town. Ooh, <laughs> really? Yeah, I really struggled on this one for a while. If I got a vote, I actually would be voting for Beetlejuice, which has one of the funniest books I've heard in a long time. But Hades Town's book is really interesting because it's one of those books that in some ways feels so connected to the score itself. Um, and all the language is so lyrical that it almost sounds like poetry. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't almost sound like poetry. It does sound like poetry in many ways. And I really think that if they love Hades Town enough, that it could get this as well. So do you almost see this like last year when everyone was predicting Mean Girls? To I, was just I was going to say, remember use that when as an I example. was the one who didn't predict Mean Girls and everyone told me I was mm. wrong? And this dynamic happens a lot. I mean, yeah. I look at the year of um, when everybody thought it would be Xanadu and it went to Passing Strange or when everybody had it as, I think, uh, Curtains or Grey Gardens was the front runner in 2007, but it went to Spring Awakening. I mean, musicals that are beloved, same as last year, can really, really just accumulate awards and best book is, if no other category, the one that can usually kind of just get thrown along with it, deserving or not. Also got the fact that it's written by Anais Mitchell, who also wrote the score. So I think that that, like sometimes people, whenever there is one person who wrote both, that can work in their favor. Um, whenever the show is already so beloved like this. And, and I think that also is a good reason why the book of this feels so attached to the score. So that's that's what I'm thinking. I can really forgot to give mine, but yeah, uh, I was saying Tootsie, but now I'm having second thoughts. So thanks, guys. <laughs> you make good points. Um, yeah, now I'm just looking at the prom and being sad that it's <laughs> well. Uh, but yeah, I guess Tootsie with Hades Town was a close second. My last point about uh, Tootsie versus Hades Town. I don't want to go into it because I don't. I, I frankly haven't read enough about it um, to have a, an opinion either way, but a lot of the uh, blowback and uh, controversy I've seen in Tootsie has been directed almost exclusively at the book um, yes. in terms of its uh, modern gender politics and all that. So, I mean, uh, again, I don't know enough about it. And I don't think we really need to go into it here, but I think if it was going to be hurt by that, this is the most likely category for that to affect it. I would agree 100%, Cody. Jumping over to the film side for a second while we're on Tootsie, the subject of Tootsie. Somehow, and I'm just realizing this at this moment, Tootsie lost original screenplay at the Academy yeah, Awards. To Gandhi, you know right? What, yes, to Gandhi. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, that's that's kind of absurd. <laughs> But I mean, uh, Hades Town is not Gandhi. I mean, it's like leaps and bounds better in terms of quality. But I mean, no, that is sure. a it's similar a race. It's a, a similar type of, you know, um, uh, a more serious-minded uh, front runner versus a, a more comedic tone screenplay. So maybe there are some parallels there. But I don't know. 
as great as the writing of Hadestown may be, I will consider it just a victory here, uh, a makeup for what happened nearly 40 years ago at the Academy <laughs> Awards. Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously not Larry Gelbart, but you can get Elaine May. Elaine May will be at the Tonys this year. This could be great. She could go up with uh, the people from Tootsie. They can Do you think she'll like, actually go to the Tonys, though? <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Because she I think feels she like something to play Skip. <laughs> yeah. Um, all so, that being said, I am still predicting Tootsie, but I won't be surprised if it is Hadestown for best book. As the song goes, go Tootsie go. <laughs> That's from the movie. You have to see the movie to get it these sure references. sure does. <laughs> all right moving on here original score the nominees there are be more chill beetlejuice hadestown the prom to kill a mockingbird tootsie now nicole we have a nominee here joe iconis from be more chill yep and he is the only nominee from his show and i've heard that he's taking that pretty well (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I hear he has not uh, taken this that well. Not quite as bad as Scott Rudin has taken uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, not getting in best play. But, um, you know, I honestly think that Joe Iconis got into this category because he is gen- generally pretty well liked in the industry. But it, it was Be More Chill's sole nomination, which which was a little bit surprising. Yeah. Poor, poor Joe. <laughs> uh, I gotta yeah, say, so. I do think it also got in mostly because of who he is. But as somebody who has no interest in the show based on the story and all that, I gotta say the music composition is actually quite good. So if it's gonna get in anywhere, this is the category I'm most okay with it getting in. We also have a nominee here uh, to kill Mockingbird. The composer there is Adam Guttel, who. Uh, I'll just let everyone look him up and uh, check his recent history. have a Twitter account. Yep. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Look, talented guy, descendant of uh, Richard Rogers. Mm. So, uh, who doesn't love Live in Piazza? He's a talented guy, obviously somewhat troubled right now. I saw To Kill a Mockingbird. I love To Kill a Mockingbird. I do not remember anything about the score of To Kill a Mockingbird. So, I don't know if you could say he got in on name recognition, because I don't think if people if people knew his name, they wouldn't be voting for him, I don't think. So maybe I just wasn't making attention to this score. Maybe it's the most incredible thing, and I was more focused on Silly Egan and Bulger and Jeff <laughs> Daniels. But I don't know why he's there. There's six nominees. This is just, I guess, maybe the Richard Rogers legacy in action. It really does feel like every year there has to be a play nominee now. There's four yeah. of the um, ten years of this decade have had uh, play nominees, even when they don't, you know, need to to fill up the category. So I think people are just have that more in their mind when they see plays now. I don't really, otherwise I don't really know because the sentiment I've heard, Michael, is very similar to yours, where it's like, oh right, there was music. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had predicted Philip Glass for King Lear, and Me that too. didn't happen. Instead, they went with this guy. So as for a predicted winner, I have to go with Hades Town. I assume we're all saying the same here. It's yeah, absolutely. Dan and I both have Hades Town with if someone was going to spoil the prom, maybe. But yeah, that's my second place too. Yeah, yeah. Before I knew Hades Town existed, I was predicting the prom back in like the fall. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's Hades Town. So, anything else we need to say here, or should we just move on? I think it's an exciting year in that we have a score nominee that is something that's legitimately quite different, unlike what we typically see on Broadway and written by a woman. And I think that that 
deserves to be celebrated. I also got to say, it's nice to see a year where there were six nominees for best score and there were a good other, what, two or three, four other contenders that could have been nominated here. So it's it's an abundance of riches this year and it's really encouraging to see. All right, Nicole, tell us who the nominees are, please, for best directed or best direction of a play. I will gladly do that. Uh, The nominees for best direction of a play are Rupert Gould for Inc., Sam Mendes, The Ferryman, Bartlett Shear, To Kill a Mockingbird, Ivo Van Hove, Network, and George C. Wolfe, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus. This is like Battle of the Titans here. Honestly, and both Dan and I are, of course, predicting Sam Mendes. Me too. Absolutely. I mean, for one thing, he deserves an award just for having the like guts to direct a three-hour play that has a rabbit, a goose, and a baby in it. <laughs> like... Isn't that a line from Carousel? Or not Carousel, Oklahoma. <laughs> they go, like, rabbits and goose and babies better scare me. <laughs> Get those babies out of the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, with this category, I kind of went through a process of elimination to land on my Sam Mendes prediction because you have... Now we're going to kill Mockingbird, which you can almost immediately get rid of because they very, 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 very rarely give this category um, an either player musical to a production that's not nominated for the top of its, uh, whether it's rival or player, whatever. And there's Ink and Gary, and Gary has been super divisive. And Ink, I feel like it's had a sort of muted but respectful reception. So I think it's really, yeah, the Ferryman's to lose. And spoiler alert, but usually they line up with the winner of best play or best revival of the play. And there's no revivals this year. So I think that tells you something about what I'm going to go with for best play. Guys, I have to decide if I'm going to wear my Hades town or my ferryman shirt on Tony's night. Like why not a sensible, you like yeah. one over top the other. I will, I will do a costume change halfway through. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Or you could just Share be neutral and wear your ink shirt. <laughs> <laughs> with a giant picture of Rupert Murdoch, right? Obviously. Of course. So I'm going with Sam Mendes, of course. Uh, sounds like we all are. Uh, he is a Tony for Cabaret, doesn't he? No, he does not. He lost to Julie Tamer for Lion King. He, I believe. That's right. Olivia, they were the though. same year. See, yeah. When I think of 98, I think it's. Uh, uh, Cabaret and Ragtime. Yeah, Cabaret and Ragtime. I always forget about Lion King. He absolutely <laughs> should have won thing. for Cabaret. It's, I mean, a complete revitalization of the show, but he'll have one this year, so it doesn't matter. I feel like I should admit that I am um, somewhat biased and that Sam Mendes was the artistic director of the Donmar Warehouse where I used to intern, so this feels oddly like a personal victory for me if he wins. And he he has Tony's for best uh, play and revival. He has three, but none for director, so I, I think this is a nice way to kind of finally reward him in the Thing he does best. He did win the Lawrence Olivier Award for Best Director last year for The Ferryman. There you go. All right. There we go. Sam Mendes. On to our next category. Casey, can you please tell us the nominees for Best Direction of a Musical? Let's watch my dumbass butcher some names. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The nominees are Rachel Chavkin for Hades Town, Scott Ellis for Tootsie, Daniel Fish for Oklahoma. Jess Mackinoff for Ain't Too Proud and Casey Nicola for The Prom. Great name there. Um, no, I'm going with Rachel Chapkin. I think beyond just everything that we already have Hades Town predicted, she's the only woman in this category and it feels like 
an overdue factor from other awards and it just it makes sense it, I look at all this and that makes the most sense I have Oklahoma in second place but I think that it's Rachel Chavkins to lose and I think that would be a great moment I completely agree with everything you just said I think Oklahoma maybe 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 has a chance but I know it's been sort of divisive a little bit um, and like I said it's been hitting some weird roadblocks in the precursors so I think this is Hades Town to lose uh, Dan and I are actually predicting Rachel Chavkin to win for directing Great Comet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, this is like justice being being done. Uh, I went to check Dan's predictions and then realized that I didn't need to look on this one. Rachel Chavkin deserves this award. She, I like, I do think I agree that Daniel Fish for Oklahoma is sitting there in second place, but I will be like genuinely mad and hurt if Rachel Chapkin does not win this award because she's doing some really special stuff with Hades Town, and I think that she's one of the best directors that we have working today. Um, and she didn't get recognized for Great Comet, and I think it's time to see a woman win Best Director in this category. Agreed. Agreed with everything. So moving on to another acting category here. We have Best Actor in a Play. Cody, can you please start us off? I can do that. The nominees are Patty Considine in The Ferryman, Brian Cranston in Network, Jeff Daniels in To Kill a Mockingbird, Adam Driver in Burn This, and Jeremy Pope in Choir Boy. And I am going with Brian Cranston, but this is a more wide open category than I think we thought it might be. Uh, there's potential for Jeff Daniels to take it. Uh, Jeremy Pope, maybe he could get some love just because he has two nominations this year. So he's, you know, his name's in a lot of mouths this year. But I do think it's going to Brian Cranston. He won the Drama League, which is, you know, a very prestigious award, obviously. And uh, the word has been mostly about his performance in the show. I have no idea what to do here. I am so stuck. It could Me be too. Jeff Daniels. It could be Brian Cranston. It could be Adam Driver. It's pretty much anyone but Patty Constantine. Yeah, sorry, Patty. I will say, having seen multiple of these, um, Jeremy Pope was splendid in Choir Boy. I don't think he's going to win, but I'm so glad that he got this double nomination. Patty Constantine is so good in The Ferryman. Uh, but Brian Cranston beat him last year at the Olivier's, and if he couldn't win there, I don't think he can win here. Um, both Dan and I are predicting Brian Cranston. I think that Jeff Daniels is going to get overshadowed by the love for Celia Keenan-Bolger, winning her that award, losing him this one, particularly because that missed out on the Best Play Award. Um, and while Adam Driver has been super praised for his uh, performance in Burn This. I also don't know that they're going to actually reward Burn This for anything. Yeah, I feel so conflicted on this because I was pretty much set on Jeff Daniels because I just felt like To Kill a Mockingbird performed better than Network, even though it didn't get that Best Play nomination. I think we all have said that off air of like it, it got the most nominations of those, like despite not getting a play nomination. But then Brian Cranston won um, Drama League, and I was like, oh. So now I feel like I have to go with Brian Cranston because I feel like it's hard to, for you to win that and not win the Tony. So I don't know. I will say the track record of the Drama League is kind of shaky. It can kind of be used as a career achievement, like when Cheetah Rivera or Nathan Lane won for the Nance and then did not follow that up with Tony, Tony Wynn. Same with Lillian Well. That's true, but, but that's this, also... Yeah, this feels right, though. This feels like a year where it will match up. Yeah. I'm still conflicted here, but I guess I have to pick a predicted winner. 
in second place, uh, this hurts to say, but in second place, I have Jeff Daniels. And I, even after seeing the show about a month ago, I really thought he was going to win because he's so well-regarded. He's playing such a legendary character and he's yet to win a Tony. And he's a big Broadway guy. He comes back every couple of years. So to me, this just seemed like the perfect storm for him. And then when it didn't get that best play nomination, that's when I sort of had this moment of, oh, what's happening here? And then, of course, Network didn't get best play nomination. So you can't say that's a lock either. So it's really between Brian Cranston and Jeff Daniels in the end. I'm going with Brian Cranston because of what Cody said. He won the uh, precursor award. But this is not set in stone in any way, shape, or form. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, and I think that actor and actress in a play are two of the hardest ones to predict this year, honestly. Which is just a testament to how great this year was for plays. Yeah. So, Brian Cranston, but... I really hope it's Jeff Daniels because he's just a great guy. They love him at the Emmys. Maybe some Emmy voters decided they would become uh, theater, American theater wing voters. And it could still happen. I don't think Brian Cranston's a lock. So no way. Yeah. So, all right. We will see in less than two weeks, but this is uh, certainly one of the categories to watch that night. On to our next uh, acting in a play category, best actress in a play, lead actress in a play. The nominees for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Play are Annette Benning in All My Sons, Laura Donnelly in The Ferryman, Elaine May in The Waverly Gallery, Janet McTeer in Bernhard Hamlet, Laurie Metcalf in Hillary and Clinton, and Heidi Schreck in What the Constitution Means to Me. Six nominees, again, a great testament to what a great year this was, not just for plays, but women in plays like these are all terrific performances and i've seen a good number of these they are just such talented women here and any one of them would probably make a good winner but who are we thinking i'm going with elaine may even though the way we close i feel like especially once glenda jackson missed that nomination i think it kind of felt like hers to lose i think that although i didn't see that production i from everything i've heard i heard she was phenomenal and i just it feels like when I look at all of them, that makes sense, but I also don't think it's a lock. Uh, Dan is also predicting Elaine May with Heidi Schreck as the alternate there. I'm also predicting Elaine May. I'm so thrilled that Janet McTeer got this nomination um, and really glad that I went out on a limb and predicted her here. I thought that she was brilliant, but I do think that having seen the Waverly Gallery, Elaine May really was brilliant in it. And Several of these are, well, I guess a couple of these are already closed. I don't think that's going to hurt Elaine May, honestly. This was a hard category for me, but I did eventually settle on her, as did Dan. As did Cody. So I'm (laughs) also going with Elaine May. Uh, It is interesting that there's six women nominated here, and the woman from the closed play is the one we're predicting. But I do think it just feels right. I mean, she got nothing but monstrous acclaim and she's a, a legend in, in so many areas of entertainment. I have Heidi Shrek in second place with the net bending in third, Lori Metcalf in fourth. I do just think it will go to Elaine May though. I, I have to say, I think my jaw is still somewhere on the floor of the golden theater from when I saw the Waverly gallery back in November because Elaine May's performance in that show I, I was worrying for her health as I was watching this because you <laughs> truly believe she is this elderly woman with memory loss and you think she's just on stage having like these moments and you're just so genuinely concerned. But then you realize she's doing this night after night 
And she's still as sharp and witty as she ever was as a performer and a writer and just a wonderful human being. So I know there's such great competition here, but I hope it's Elaine May. I think it'll be Elaine May because that performance was truly one for the ages. I also have to say, like, I want her to get this award just because what an incredible thing to do to do this every night and to portray a woman who is going through, you know, the stages of that memory loss and, and dementia or whatever, you know, you would, you would term it. But to do that at that age every night, I think must take some sort of emotional toll on you to know that you yourself, you know, or, or people that you know may be going through the same thing. So I, I would love to see her get rewarded for this. And even just as a presence on stage, forget the whole memory loss thing, just watching her as this grandmother and the way that she interacts with her family, she has these stories to tell. You know, anyone can watch that and just have some connection to a family member, you know, a family member who may no longer be with us or just someone who you want to go home to and give a hug to or give a phone call to. It's just, it plays with the emotions and she does such a wonderful job in that role. It's just the last thing I would ever expect Elaine May to do because this is a woman who was like cutting edge comedian, writer. She wrote, of course, uh, did some work on Tootsie, but she wrote The Birdcage and directed Ishtar. She's an absolute legend. Her partner, Stanley Donnan, just passed away, legendary director Stanley Donnan. There maybe there's some sympathy there, but even that aside, it's just the performance that counts, and I think she ought to take it home. If it's not her, I think it's going to be Annette Benning or Heidi Schreck. But again, great, great year. All right. Are we ready to move into the best acting and musical categories then? I think so. We're in the final stretch here. Nicole, do you want to start it off for us with Best Actress in a Musical? Of course I do. Um, the nominees for Leading Actress in a Musical are Stephanie J. Block in The Share Show, Caitlin Kanunen in The Prom, Beth Level in The Prom, Eva Noblezada in Town, and Kelly O'Hara for Kiss Me, Kate. Um, I'm going to put it out there right now. I have picked... Not the front runners for both of the leading acting categories in musicals, because I decided most of my predictions are fairly safe with these categories. I'm going to throw it out there and do some no guts, no glory. And in this prediction, I'm actually supported by Dan. And we're both predicting Eva Noblezada for Hades Town with uh, Stephanie J. Block in the Share Show as our alternate. I am also going with. Uh... Wait, I'm sorry. Could you repeat? Did you say you were predicting Stephanie J. Block or she was your alternate? No, she's my alternate because this is one of those ones where everyone is predicting Stephanie, so I decided to not. <laughs> okay, sorry. I tuned out there for a second. No, you're good. Uh, I, I'm going with your alternate. I'm going with Stephanie J. Block. And me too. That, it's weird for me because the Share Show only has a few tech nominations. It's not a super well-regarded show. It's a jukebox musical. And people, you know, the tourists come to see it. The critics pretty much hated it. But at the same time, everyone can agree on the fact that Stephanie J. Block is superb as a performer. And she probably should have a Tony by now, but she doesn't. And if she's going to win a Tony, you know, there are worse things to win for than playing Cher. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I was a little bit surprised that she'd become the frontrunner. Uh, just on paper, it feels like a show that people wouldn't want her necessarily give awards to, especially big top categories like this. But I mean... Stephanie J. Block is just so respected in the industry. Not to say that her performance isn't great. I haven't seen it. But I mean, if nothing else, 
everybody loves her. <laughs> and I mean, exactly. who would be sad to see her holding a Tony award? Um, so I do have her as my predicted winner. I have Beth level in second place with Ava in third, but maybe I'll swap those. If Nicole, you and Dan feel good about Ava, uh, Mm-hmm. I really only have Beth in second place because I figure, oh, she's, you know, another veteran shows a best musical nominee. But I mean, Hayes Town also was a nominee. I don't know. So tell me your argument for Ava, Nicole. Convince yeah, me. I think that there was a lot of good feeling for her when she was nominated for Miss Saigon. Um, she definitely is working the angle that she is an incredibly talented and uh, talented actress with a strong resume for her age. Um, she's younger than I am. She's come over from playing this in the UK, and she really does some beautiful vocals and also some astounding acting in the role. I also think if people love Town enough, it's not a huge jump. I Stephanie J. Block is, like, incredible in the Cher show, but the thing that gives me pause is that if they didn't reward her for falsettos, I wonder if they're willing to give her a Tony for playing Cher. I will say the difference there is Falsetto's already closed and they just generally as a rule never give awards to and yeah. uh, musical categories to closed shows. I just honestly wonder if some people are going to be like, Stephanie J. Block will get a Tony one day and it shouldn't be for this. That's Dan's argument, I know. So I, I do think that Eva's got like a really good shot. And I also wonder if Caitlin is going to take away some of Beth Level's votes. Um, by splitting the prom women. It's it's a hard category. I don't think it's going to Kelly O'Hara. I can say that, like, even though she is yeah. Kelly O'Hara. <laughs> I thought she was going to win earlier this season, but then we saw what happened with uh, Kiss Me Kate on the nomination morning. So that's out of the question now. Yeah, she's a strong Even though she's place. terrific. So, yeah, I have uh, Ava in second place. So I, I understand that argument completely. And it, and it makes sense. Like, it's a much more... Yeah. Obviously, we have it winning everything. So I will also say, like, I actually kind of think Stephanie will win, but I decide I'm going to predict Ava because I would rather be right about her than right about Stephanie. <laughs> That's fair. No guts, no glory. <laughs> Look, Stephanie J. Block already had the pirate queen. She suffered enough. Does she really have to lose Tony again? Uh, I love the pirate queen. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so again, another category. We will see what happens on Tony night. But moving on to our final acting category of the podcast. Casey, can you please tell us the nominees for Best Actor in a Musical? So much pressure. Um, Oh, God, did I not pull this up? Of course I didn't. I got distracted by all of our wonderful points about all the great there it is okay um <laughs> nice improv ah <laughs> uh, thank you my theater degree finally coming <laughs> good use. um the nominees are okay do i okay what's what's brooks's last name i just need ashmanskis ashmanskis brooks ashmanskis for the prom Derek baskin for ain't too proud alex brightman for beetlejuice damon duono for oklahoma and Santino Fontana for Tootsie. I'm going with Santino because one, I feel like that's, I feel like that's the front runner. He's obviously like the center of that show. He's a person who's had other roles before, so it just makes sense. But I also, I don't know if it's a, a lock as much as I thought it was at the beginning of the season, if that makes any sense, based on how Tootsie's been received controversially and all the things. 
but I don't know. Convince me otherwise or whatever. Well, Nicole, I want to hear your uh, upset (laughs) prediction. Um, So first I'll say Dan is also predicting uh, Santino Fontata, but has Alex Brightman as his alternate. And I decided not to predict Santino. I do think that he is definitely the front runner and stands a good chance of winning. But as Casey said, there has been some controversy around Tootsie. And so I'm actually predicting Alex Brightman, another man who has a lot of goodwill towards him in the industry and who is very much the heart and soul of Beetlejuice, which did better than expected in the nominations and is definitely one of the top performances I've seen this year. He carries that show. He's so funny. He does this insane voice that I was honestly kind of concerned for him. Um, His physicality is incredible. Um, and I, I really could see him sneaking up in there. See, I sort of view Beetlejuice as, like, it's just long for the ride. Almost like Frozen was last year or some of these other, like, film-to-stage adaptations. don't know that Frozen is a good comparison. I would compare it more to something like, I'd say it's closer maybe to Mean Girls in that, like, it's it's made some bold choices. It's differed pretty far from the movie. It's got some really well-regarded actors in it, like Alex Brightman and Leslie Kritzer, and uh, Sofia Ann Caruso has gotten some great buzz, and even the reviews that didn't care for it as much all seem to love Alex Brightman. I bet you're, yeah. you're really and again, Santino here after those reviews. I just have seen a lot of fallout around Tootsie, and I don't know if he can weather that storm. I also are they from the voters him. or from people who are just looking to stir the pot a little bit? No, I, I think they're very legitimate concerns about it. And I don't know if that if those will be shared by the voters, but I think that I have seen some that seem to be from people who may have some influence over the voters, um, may be connected to them. And I think that I also haven't seen him out as front working the industry events as much as Alex Brightman has been this year. And sometimes that can swing them some way if people are, you know, unsure where they want their vote to go. Uh, I will say I am predicting Santino, but uh, of the four acting categories in the musical, this is actually the one I'm uh, the least sure about, I might say. Um, I have Santino out front, but I could see it going to uh, actually... Brooks asked Manskis if they want to reward the prom in any capacity, because right now I don't think I'm alone in this. I'm predicting it to go home completely empty handed. Uh, yeah. Same. So, it makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also could see it going to Alex Brightman because they did not need to nominate him here if they didn't like him. You know what I mean? Like there were another two or three men that a lot of us were even predicting. Uh, so the, the love for Beetlejuice maybe surprised us, but it's there. So it wouldn't completely shock me. And he got a lot of good of, Notices for School of Rock. He just happened to get swallowed up in a Hamilton year. I am still going with Santino, but uh, like I said, not the most sure about it. Okay. Moving on, we have our first revival category, Best Play Revival. And Cody, can you please tell us the nominees there? Yes, I can do that. The nominees are All My Sons, The Boys in the Band, Burn This, Torch Song, and The Waverly Gallery. And I'm personally going with the Waverly Gallery, even though it is closed. This is one of the few categories where the Tonys don't mind giving it to closed shows. I'm thinking of, like, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf a few years ago. And it's hard this year because this is the first year in a long time that I can think that a category has absolutely zero crossover with the best director, which is usually the easiest way to 
see which shows out front. So I'm kind of going with the show that got the most love overall, which is the Waverly Gallery with All My Sons in second place, if they do feel like rewarding a show that's still open. A couple years ago, when Jitney won here, hadn't that just closed? A I believe it before? had, yes. Okay, so there is a precedent here. And Waverly Gallery would be a deserving winner. But the only other nomination it has is for Elaine May. So that gives me a little bit of pause. And while I would love to see it win, it's a great show. Kenneth Lonergan wrote it. I think it is going to go to All My Sons. And part of the reason why I say that is because it's still running. and has these very good reviews, aside from the New York Times, which is like the outlier. I don't know what that's about. But people seem to really like it. I'm going to see it later this month, and I'm eager to check it out. But earlier in the show, when I predicted Benjamin Walker to win featured actor, part of the reason I predicted him is because I already knew I would have all my sons winning revival, and I wanted another award to go along with that. Uh, it is, uh, in terms of other support outside of this category, though, I mean, uh, all my sons and we uh, burned this have one more nomination than Boys in the Band, uh, Tour Song and Waverly Gallery. So I don't know if it's necessarily a case of they liked it more because there's more nominees you know what i mean i guess they could have nominated waverly gallery for best director if they really really did like it so much or but joan I think, allen uh, or joan allen sure uh but i think uh yeah i don't i don't know if uh love in other categories is maybe uh uh how i would measure this as a barometer but again i mean all my sons is still open so if they want to support it in that way that would make I'm sense predicting the waverly gallery as well particularly in conjunction with predicting Elaine May for Best Actress, Same. it does seem like there's a lot of a lot of uh, good feeling towards her in that production, which I think could push it over. Um, I also feel like All My Sons had like a decent reception, but then faded really fast. Dan is predicting Torch Song. Is that his No Guts, No Glory? I, it, it, it I know he is. loves that production. Dan loves that production. I also this I feel like is also Dan's version of me predicting Eva, which is a, like I can't morally bet against this. Tour song is my last place prediction. Sorry, Dan. Me too, <laughs> even though I wish it wasn't. Uh, I think Boys in the Band is my last place, but Torch Song just above it. I, I think All My Sons has got a shot. If they went for Adam Driver and then went for Burn This, I wouldn't be completely shocked. Um, but I finally decided on the Waverly Gallery. All right. There you have it. Another divided house here at Next Best Theater. <laughs> Our next revival category and our last revival category is best revival of a musical. And the many nominee here and the many nominees here are Kiss Me Kate and Sexy Oklahoma. This Oklahoma fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma. So I wanted to see that section so bad. <laughs> I'm going on um, Saturday. This Saturday I'm going. So Dan is jealous. gonna try and win the lottery and go with me. Um, so I will report back about Sexy Sexy Oklahoma and how that chili and cornbread taste at the intermission. Mm. Are they, this is a side note real quick, are they releasing a cast album for that? I believe uh, so, yes. I think, yeah. Yes. Every, it's already been recorded, I believe. Good. Every chance I get is just me watching YouTube clips, like the ones that they've released, just to hear certain glimpses of those songs played that way. And I'm like, wow, I think I'm obsessed. <laughs> All right, I have to be the outlier here, not in that I'm not predicting Oklahoma. It's obviously going to win here, but I just cannot get excited by this revival because it's this big departure. I, I, I like a big classic revival like Jerry Zach's Hello, Dolly, or Guys and Dolls. You know, I, I like the creative liberties at times, but this just seems so far removed from like the big, you know, 
classic musicals of the past. Whereas my thing is, if you had told me last year that I had bought a ticket for Oklahoma, I'd be like, well, that's a goddamn lie. <laughs> um, Oklahoma is one of my least favorite musicals ever. That's me with Christy Kate, fun fact. Yeah, the fact that I'm excited about seeing it says a lot about this production and about how they've marketed it. Um, I will say I'm predicting Oklahoma. Dan is predicting Kiss Me Kate uh, with Oklahoma as his alternate. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I could see it because Oklahoma has been somewhat divisive, but I do think it's going to push through and take it. So sorry. Is he really predicting Kiss Me Kate? He four. truly is. Oh, Dan, You no. know what? It's good. It's good if we don't agree on, on everything. <laughs> I know you're listening, Dan, but you're I wrong. I hope he's right. Sorry, Dan. I hope he's right. <laughs> Um, I'm going with Oklahoma. I think it's pretty much locked and loaded. I will genuinely be, it'll be one of the biggest shocks to me personally if it does not win. Um, again, I like to pull out stats when it comes to the Tonys and, um, a musical has never won revival if it wasn't nominated for best director. It just does not happen. And they really gave it, you know, kind of the finger in terms of nomination it could get in general. So, uh, not that they gave all the loved Oklahoma, it definitely could have gotten another three or four nominations if they really wanted to. But I think it's just it's just Oklahoma and a walk. A fun and a little fun little trivia. The last time Oklahoma was nominated for Best Revival was also the last time uh, there were only two nominees in the category. But oh Into God. the Woods won that time. Um, I also have to say it's a really a really bold move, but perhaps a really effective move to uh, serve everybody food at your show and hope that that. Gets people to vote for you, I guess. <laughs> it didn't work for a great comment. Yeah, well. Wait, so is this free food that comes with the ticket, or do you buy it at like the uh, at the bar? I think I I will report back, but my understanding is that they are selling uh, chili and cornbread. Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know if it was like included with the ticket or if you have to buy it separately. I don't know, man. But all I know is that people like Anna Wintour have been spotted in the chili line. So, <laughs> I will send you all a picture. It's vegetarian chili, isn't it? It is. It is. Uh, that, that's sort of a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I like vegetarian chili. I don't know. See, you got to get like a little something a little heartier. Might give it the edge here over Kiss Me Kate. I'm not a I'm not a big chili fan, but that cornbread that yeah right that, <laughs> mm-hmm. that gets your vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I cornbread think and get my vote. And they need to. Ship one to Philadelphia for me to try, and then maybe I would be convinced to take a ride up to New York to I'll, see the show. I'll, uh, I'll get two pieces and I'll split it into tiny bits and ship them, ship them to Philadelphia and Chicago. <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait for crumbs in the mail. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm just, I, I'm just the outlier this season. Something about this Oklahoma, like not that I've ever considered myself a hipster, but I guess I've lost the support of that community because of this, this uh, Brooklyn hipster version of Oklahoma. I don't, it looks less hipster to me than just generally updated. You know what I mean? I mean, they're wearing traditional, like, country western gear. It's not like they're wearing, I don't know, monocles and weird mustaches. It just <laughs> it seems like a an update time-wise rather than pure style, even though it obviously is stylistically updated. I have not seen it, though, so I'm just talking about pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit afraid of it, but I will, uh, I'll have seen it by our next podcast. Before we move on, just very quickly about OG Oklahoma. Uh, I was, listening to, uh, I was listening to Mark Marin's podcast a couple of months ago, and he was interviewing uh, Alfred Molina, who has done tons of work, of course, uh, film, theater, uh, television, just all around great actor. And he was talking about early in his career, he was in the first uh, West End revival of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and he was playing uh, Judd Fry. Yep. 
That's so he right. gets on stage and he says, before that, they have all the songs like, oh, what a beautiful morning. Sorry, with the fringe on top, Kansas City. And everyone in the crowd had seen the movie, grown up with the movie, knew the original show. And they were just singing along. He said it was like a big jubilee out there. And he gets on stage for his first song is Judd Fry. And it was a song that had not been in the film. It was cut from the film. And this crowd in the West End did not know it because they hadn't seen the original production on Broadway. So he gets out on stage as his like medicine character with a song that nobody knew. And it was just crickets out there, he said. <laughs> and they go to the next song and everyone was like happy and singing along again. And he like literally stopped the show and made everyone dour for two minutes. <laughs> if I was him, though, I'd be like, that's right. Don't sing over me. This is my number. So <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds all right to me. Oh, Fred <laughs> he, he crashed the party. So anyway, not that that had to do anything with this revival. I just thought it was a funny story when I heard it. So, so we're all predicting home except for Dan, right? Yeah. yeah. Dan, if you're listening, if you're listening live right now, if you're somehow doing that, change it. It's not happening. <laughs> so anyhow, final two categories here. Best play and best musical. Uh, let's do best play first. Nicole, you want to uh, help us out there I with nominees? would love to. The nominees for best play are, do you like my announcing voice? Um, yes, I really do. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to compliment you after we recorded. Thank you. In, in all the high school plays, my director always would tap me to do any kind of voiceover bits. <laughs> so the nominees for best play are Choir Boy, The Ferryman, Gary, a sequel to Titus Andronicus, Ink, and What the Constitution Means to Me. Both Dan and I have the ferryman winning with what the Constitution means to me as our alternate. Same here. Do I? This feels pretty obvious, doesn't it? I think yeah. so, especially if yeah. we're all predicting Mendy's to win director. Right. Once Mockingbird Network got out of the way, it was kind of open and closed, I think, for the ferryman with Constitution in second place. I'm so excited. <laughs> all right. We're going to keep that excitement going when we have our final category here, Best <laughs> Musical. Yeah, I mean, this is like the Nicole Ackman high this year. Truly, this is a good year for me after what a bad year it was last year. <laughs> hey, you didn't see Bands Visit. That was a wonderful, wonderful show. No, yes, it was. see it on tour. So <laughs> I'll be seeing it later this year. And then you'll be able to go back and retract that statement. I just meant it was a bad year last year, not in who won, but in the, the competition. Yeah, it really was. It was boring. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair enough. Because outside of that, you had like Mean Girls and SpongeBob and yeah. Frozen. Yeah. All right, yeah, that, that was pretty bleak. But at, at least <laughs> no, we had a good show that took the top prize last year. Oh, absolutely. All right, final category of the night Best Musical. Casey, bring it on home. Wow, the, it's such an honor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not actually getting a Tony for reading this, just so you know. <laughs> all right, I will. Sorry. Oh, fixing my hair. I gotta get. Oh, all right. The nominees for Best Musical are Ain't Too Proud, The Life and Times of the Temptations, Beetlejuice, Hades Town, The Prom, and Tootsie. And I feel like it's uh, no surprise I'm going with Beetlejuice. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going with Hades Town, of course, for obvious reasons. I'm going with getting the band back together on a write-in. <laughs> I was truly going to pull out actually dance predicting, but... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, I think we're all settled on this one, which it would be kind of hysterically funny if something else took it after everyone predicted Hades. Time, and then it's the but... prom and it's the only thing it wins that yeah. night. <laughs> the Grand Hotel of the Tonys. Actually, sure it was a Grand Hotel of the Tonys, so actually I can't yep, say that. And it did not win, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, with this category, I mean, besides just Hades Town feeling like, uh, in terms of general quality, industry love, attention, and reviews, the absolute front runner, you have to also look at what else we are giving it and what everybody else is predicting it to win, which is, I wasn't keeping track, but it was probably up there with seven or eight other awards we have it predicted for, right? Yeah. So, I we all have Tootsie getting one, maybe two, The Prom getting zero, Ain't Too Proud getting zero, Beetlejuice getting maybe one. And the Tonys don't really like to um, surprise in the end. So if something's winning from the start, you can kind of predict it. And I think that's going to be the case with Hades Town pretty easily with Tootsie as a distant second place. So everyone with Hades Town, no surprise, right? Yeah, I'm predicting it to win 10 currently. Um, wow. I also will say, like, I've seen several of these, not all of them, but several. And I honestly can say that I think that Hades Town is the best musical on Broadway this year. So whoever ends up winning in a uh, best musical, they're then going to join host James Corden and get in his car and do carpool karaoke. Up <laughs> right? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a carpool karaoke coming. I don't know if it's going to be in the oh, beginning or the middle or finale. It's happening. I did it like the happening. one the last time he hosted, but it was also the Hamilton year, so they were busy. <laughs> you know, he, he's getting in a car with Mary Testa and Des Mackinoff and Damon Dono, and off they go. Have we discussed this? How do we feel about James Corden hosting? I'm fine with it. I, it's I, fine. Not my top I, choice, but he's... Yeah. I did like well. his opening number that year, but it was also the conditions of that show were, you know, it was not yeah. a, oh, a yeah. great day. So he, he handled that the best he could, and I, I did like that opening number a good amount. It's not my favorite ever, but I remember enjoying it. With the Tonys, it's such a niche audience that if you're ho- I, all I really need from the host is to believe that they actually genuinely care and are excited by the actual Tonys and theater in general. You know what I mean? Um, so, and I think he did sell that last time. So I, it's, it's fine. I'm not thrilled by it, but whatever. Yeah, I'm more about the awards with award shows than the actual host. I'm not offended by him. I would have really, I mean, I know I say this like every year, but I just really want to see a female host and not just as a co-host <laughs> as much as I loved Kristen Chenoweth and, um, Cerebrellis. Oh yeah. Yeah. But Alan Cumming, but <laughs> I, I enjoyed, thank you, Alan Cumming, but I, I really enjoyed last year and I don't know that James Corden can top that, but it also will not be like three in the morning uh, where I'm watching it. So I think I'll be more forgiving towards any host. Last year was such a blur to me with Borales and Groban. Like, I, I sort of remember them being at pianos. A blur to me, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching on UK time. You know, I'm going through looking at former hosts of the Tony Awards, and there have been some strange combos in the past. Like, if you look at the 1994 ceremony, it was hosted by, get ready for this one, Anthony Hopkins and Amy Irving. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's my birth year. <laughs> and neither was in a production that year, I believe. I think Amy Irving was in a play that closed, but Anthony Hopkins was not. It was just right. seemingly like we put out the call and here's who answered. <laughs> and the thing was, Amy Irving was not nominated for that nope. play that everyone said she was probably going to win for. So instead, she goes to host ceremony. Hmm. Yeah. What well, was 96? That was my birth year. <laughs> 96. Oh, you got a good one. That was Nathan Lane. Aww. Oh, good. I was 95, which was the combination. Oh, here's the strange one. Nathan Lane, Glenn Close, and Gregory Hines. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> All right. So, Cody, what year were you? Um, 91. 91. Oh, this is an interesting one. A nice, you know, a classy group of hosts. You get Julie Andrews and Jeremy Irons. 
Nice. Oh. <laughs> I will also brag because my year has one of the best lineups of her best musical of all time. It's Miss Saigon, Secret Garden, Will Rogers Follies, and Once on This Island, and oh. the worst one won. So that's strange. And in about 25 years, they're going to be uh, young adults playing this game. They're going to be like, oh, who hosted the year you were born? They're going to go, Kevin Spacey. Yikes. 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 Yeah, that was a dark year. For many reasons, but that especially. We started Next Best Theater that year, and I remember talking to Nicole and Dan. It was uh, We were the original three. And I had this theory that Tina Fey was going to host yeah. because Mean Girls was coming a year from then, and you know she wasn't really doing anything at the time. We knew she had this theatrical uh, history. or Not history on the stage, but you know, she's a lover of musical theater. So I thought, oh, maybe she could host. And then we got the news. Kevin Spacey's hosting the Tony Awards. That was something else. I do love that I have it on record that I didn't like it as soon as he was announced. Like. There you go. <laughs> so anything else before we go? We talked about hosts. We talked about the nominees, predicted winners. Anything else? Uh, we'll be back with a reactions to the winners podcast. And I also will have an article going up on the site. So make sure to look out for that where uh, I'll get some input from the team and we'll talk about what surprised us. We'll talk about Hades Town sweeping <laughs> and what's about to become the hottest ticket in town. If it isn't already. So, all right. Does that do it? I think we're all set. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us for this very special Tony Awards podcast. As Nicole just mentioned, stay tuned for our next episode where we will discuss our reactions to the Tony's telecast. But in the meantime, Nicole, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? They can find me at Nicole Ackman 16. Casey? You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark. And Cody. You can find me everywhere at CodyMonster91 and check out my horror movie podcast. We're called Halloweeners. You can follow us at Halloweeners Pod. Once again, I'm Michael Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, CastBox, and Acast. Be sure to check out everything going on in Next Best Picture, and please consider supporting our Patreon site, where you can receive tons of great theater content outside of this Tony season. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy this Tony telecast, and we will see you all next time.